This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Awesome Woodies. Awesome Woodies are the original portable hangboard company made by hand here in Australia. They were making these boards years before anyone else. Maybe you've seen their boards hanging off a cliff or a tree at your local crag. They're everywhere. And do you know why? Because they work. Nothing else is going to get you warmed up for your project like the cliff board will. No more shall you pull onto your project with unrecruited fingers. No more shall you burn precious skin doing extra warm-ups. The Awesome Woody's cliff boards are here for you. They love you and want you to be ready for a full day of awesomeness. Their cliff boards still lead the way with quality, durability and functionality. Plus they weigh almost nothing. Take the cliff board Petite for example, one I personally designed with the team. It weighs 280 grams. Mate, my Vegemite sandwich nearly weighs more than that. The cliff boards are also great if you don't have the ability to have a proper hangboard set up at your home. If you do have space for a fixed hangboard or campus board though, Awesome Woodies have got you covered. The Homeboy hangboard is the boss. The wood edges on this board are super comfortable to spend a lot of time hanging from, even when you've trashed yourself all weekend at the crag. Awesome Woodies can also cover your campus board with all the grips you need. Campus rungs in four different sizes, sloper rails and half balls. Everything is there for you to power up. Now for those of you into a minimal aesthetic or just like boning down, Awesome Woodies have got edgies. Pairs of 6, 8 and 10 mil edges made out of premium Tassie oak, which is sourced from sustainable plantations. So not only do these edges look the goods, they are doing good. In fact, all the Awesome Woodies products are made from sustainably sourced timber. Their commitment to the environment and quality really sets these guys apart from the rest. So head to awesomewoodies.com, chuck in Baffle Days at checkout for 15% off your next piece of game-changing equipment. G'day, g'day, and welcome to the Buffalo Days podcast. I am Tom O'Halloran. Today's guest is our female Australian Olympic climber, Oceana McKenzie. I really didn't have that much to do with Osh prior to the Olympics experience, uh, but I've gotten to know her over the last, I guess, kind of 12 months mostly, um, and it's been really great getting to know her. She's a super lovely woman and is, uh, I think, a, a really awesome inspiration for all the climbers out there and uh, especially the female athletes that are, are watching her uh, do her thing. She is a bouldering World Cup finalist in the adults. That's pretty amazing. She's the second Australian female to have done that after Sam Berry um, back in the noughties. Um, we are definitely keen to chat with Sam one day. Um, and she's pretty much won just about every single domestic competition that she's ever entered. Um, I, I don't know the exact statistics on that, but I can't think of a competition that she's ever lost or at least come second. Uh, <laughs> um, and she's had some really amazing strong results in the World Youth Championships over the past few years as well. Uh, she's gotten outdoors a little bit every now and then, having bolted up to V11 in the past. Uh, and she does talk about getting pretty psyched to head back outdoors um, after all this Olympic stuff. And she has been doing that. Uh, but I'll let her tell the story through the the podcast here and then fill in on what's been going on. 
But that is pretty much it so far. So dig in. We had an awesome time chatting to Osh. Um, probably actually one thing to mention is that we did have some audio issues in the beginning uh, and then we kind of sorted it out halfway through. So the audio is not so great in the beginning and does get better. So stick around. And we have actually learned our lessons and we are doing things better for the future for our online recordings. We had always actually just wanted to do them face to face, but with the you know what spreading around the world, uh, that has been trickier than we had hoped. So, without further ado, let's jump on in and enjoy the chat with Oceana McKenzie. So, welcome to the Baffle Days podcast. Uh, we are here today talking with Oceana McKenzie, who was the other half of the athlete team over uh, at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. She was our female Australian representative uh, and competed super well. Um, and we've got her on the podcast today to, I guess, dig into a little bit of her background and her Olympic experience. And I guess maybe have a talk a little bit about what the future may hold. So welcome to the podcast today, Osh. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's exact. And, I think this um, is actually my first podcast. Oh, I think awesome. of it. So yeah, that's exciting. Oh, that's cool. And we were the first Australian climbing podcast. So there we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. And then you two were the first Australian Olympic climbers. First. <laughs> so <many Yes>. yeah. <laughs> uh, So I guess, Osh, let's just do like that kind of brief overview of your background, I guess. I guess I first I first heard about you through um, uh, James and Claire. Claire. Um, they, hmm. yeah, I saw, I think there was um, a photo that went up or Claire and I used to compete a bit together and she mentioned this, um, this strong little crusher that was coming up and that's you. <laughs> so how old were you when you started climbing? <laughs> Yeah, so I started climbing when I was around eight or nine. Um, I actually started out at Hard Rock um, in Nunawading. Um, and you're when, 18 yeah, like, now? I'm 19 now. 19 now, yeah, just to add that context. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so my sisters all joined the squad um, at Hard Rock and I was actually too young to join the squad or like climb there, but I would start like traversing all the walls and the staff were getting like really nervous because I wasn't tied into a rope. So then they finally just let me join the squad, which is funny story. Yeah. And then after a little while, um, we moved over to Bayside and started training there and yeah, got hooked in with the crew there, which was pretty special. Yeah. Awesome. And you're, to give some context to that too, how many sisters have you got? I have five. Yeah. Five. And sisters. all five of them have climbed at one point. Yeah. Wow. That That's kind of crazy having like all six of the Mackenzie girls walking in and were you all kids? You all joined up into the kids squad at that point? Like, Yeah, I think so. My eldest sister, Jamie, she climbed a little bit outside when she was younger. Um, and then the rest of us, including mum and dad, actually started climbing at Hard Rock. And they, I think the youngest would have been around 18 who joined the squad. And then, yeah, down to me, which would have been around eight or nine. Yeah. So, yeah. What draws... Uh, your family because it's quite a niche sport 10 years ago like what draws your family to go hey we're going to be a climbing family we're going to join everyone up yeah I mean I'm not sure I feel like when you start climbing you kind of just love it I mean I haven't met anyone who's got to a climbing session and been like yeah this is kind of boring it's like once you start kind of love it but I think also having like 
my whole family do it and we all go and we climb together and have such a good time. Like we're all really close and, you know, we always hang out, like, you know, going to the parks, just hanging out at home. So it just kind of translated to also doing a sport together. I think dad was actually pretty against climbing. Like he was pretty afraid of heights, didn't like it too much um, until we went outside one time to the Grampians. And then after that, he was pretty hooked on it. So, <laughs> so being out in nature was more of his jam with that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. And when was your first comp then? When did you get the comp bug? I think it was actually either a, a nationals at Villawood or the Bayside Boulder Bash. I can't exactly remember. Um, but I remember the Bayside Boulder Bash being the first time that I had really got into bouldering. And after that, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is cool. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed all of like the lead nationals at Villawood and stuff, but it all it was pretty intense actually when we were younger. Um, a lot when I was competing with Angie, it kind of felt like very competitive, I guess. Um, so it was quite intense at the lead nationals. So once I got into bouldering, it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of chill more and I'm kind of my thing. And then after a little while, we kind of just became friends and competing with them in lead comps and stuff um, became fun and yeah, nice. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's, I, it's I definitely funny. find the the vibes at a bouldering comp are really different to a lead comp. I find the intensity of a lead comp like super like in your face. It's right there. Whereas bouldering, I don't know whether that's the nature of being able to have more than one attempt essentially on boulders yeah. like it gives it a little bit more of a relaxed feel and then the competitors seem more relaxed as well and yeah 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 it's, I do wonder if it is about that like with lead it's yeah just like one shot so you've got and also I think just um like being in youth competitions is a lot more intense like when I would go to world youth champs there were, it was like almost very niche like it was very hard to make friends at world youth personally and like you know there were a lot of tears it was like very serious I guess because you also have that like where you're aging out um which can be quite stressful and then yeah when you go to world cups it's kind of like you know we can do this for a long time I mean they're, they're adults so it's not as like intense it's not um doesn't mean everything you know what I mean mm. so yeah I think just being in you was kind of like oof, it's kind of intense so yeah you kind of just mature into I guess yeah I don't know not taking it as seriously yeah it's funny isn't it still seriously it, but not yeah like as the an, end of the world <laughs> yeah it's interesting to hear you say that Osh because um you know I think I don't know it's something competitiveness and particularly amongst girls is something that has always been talked about a lot and I think, you know, when I started climbing, there are so many less girls doing it. And so the boys would comment on how competitive the girls are with each other. Often it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a bad competitiveness. It's like, oh, I want to yeah. do that because I saw you doing it. But, um, but it makes yeah. sense, yeah. I guess, coming through the youth that that aging out thing, you know, you're like, it's almost like a, a weight category in a, like a fighting sport or something where, yeah, then you've got to go into the next category, I suppose, and you're the youngest in the next group and so your chance I guess of doing as well until you get older in that category is yeah it's harder I suppose yeah yeah I definitely agree with that actually that sounds kind of like what I was trying to put into it (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's interesting I've never we've never spoken about it you know it's not um Mm. yeah certainly not something we've spoken about and so um was it or did it always feel like it was you and Angie coming through 
I think, well, for a while, like I think our actual, our first competition together, we were just like having lots of fun. I mean, we were probably like eight or nine or something like that. Um, and so we were kind of just like running around Villawood, like going in the caves and just like having a lot of fun. And then I think when we both started to yeah get a bit stronger, it was like, yeah, it turned into this like, oh, who's going to do better? And yeah, I guess it was because we were like um, improving quite quickly. Mm. Um, yeah, it was kind of like, oh, I think it was just, it came from like being really excited that there were going to be these two young females that were going to come up and do really well, yeah. which was really exciting. Um, but yeah. Like, I think because Angie and I were, I think it was obviously when we were in UD, we competed together and then we were in different categories. And then when it was, when we went into opens together, it was quite like very weird. Like the amount of comments who well, I got um, being like, oh, you know, are you going to beat Angie? And, it, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of like weird competition. Stuff, and I was like, I, I don't know, you know, we're just going to climb like, I'm not going to beat Angie. I'm going to climb in a competition. So, mm, and I really like, yeah. And I really enjoyed like climbing with Angie, especially at our first nationals. Like we had a great time together, just like chatting and ice on stuff. It was like, oh no, this is, this is actually really nice. You know, we have, I guess I never really climbed that much with young, strong females, like around my age. Mm. So to actually, yeah, like chat to her and be like, oh, this is really nice. Like we experienced similar things. And so, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's interesting that people um, aren't able to separate an actual organized competition and the idea of having like intense competition between the competitors. The competitors are there to just go and climb, have a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Yep, they want to win, but ultimately they just want to climb, bring their best performance to the day. And yeah. hopefully that is enough to achieve the result they want to come away from the competition with. Yeah. And yeah, I have often found that it's it's way less competitive in the isolation area than what people might expect. Yeah, definitely. Like it's yeah. just, it's kind of easy and chilled. And I can imagine that like, yeah, for you and Angie, it's a pretty special experience to be able to share because you're both coming up and going through the same thing at the same time. And to to have competition between the two of you in, in a negative way, ruin that chance of a, a great friendship would have mm-hmm. been a real bummer mm, yeah yeah so it's kind of lucky that we were able to just kind of be like no nah, actually we we like hanging out and chatting and climbing together so <laughs> which yeah, is that's cool. good. Um, yeah and I mean like at the end of the day we are competitors and of course we're going to be competitive with people because it's mm. the nature of it but yeah definitely especially in climbing I think like for an individual sport it's almost team-based like I know I feel like whenever I'm like waiting to see if I've made a semi-final or something like that and there's like one person bumping me out I never want to be like oh like I really hope they fall but it's also like oh but I hope they do well it's like this constant kind of like thing with climbing which I don't think you get in a lot of other sports which is pretty cool yeah definitely I I, I really found that hey at the Olympics you see some of the other sports and maybe it's just viewing it from the outside but they seem very individual whereas you go to the climbing competitions and Everyone is so friendly with each other, even though everyone at the Olympics was competing for a gold medal or a spot in finals or whatever it was. Like there was still such a a camaraderie between so many of the athletes that, yeah, Yeah. it was a a really awesome thing. I thought in the middle of the biggest competition in the world. Yeah. And I mean, like, even when you think about it, anytime anyone wins a competition or anything, 
in climbing, they almost always tag like three or even six or eight or how many people are in the final to be like, oh, thanks for the competition. It was so great or something like you climbed so well, which is mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. What was the, like stepping up from the youth competitions into that open competition, was there any kind of differences that you felt? Was there a, a, a level that was different or, or anything like that? think for me I actually didn't get to do too many of my youth competitions and I think when I did it was very um I would I say I would felt like I felt quite unprepared for them just because you know I had gone from like nationals which was super chilled here like youth nationals into world youth where it was like okay shit like I'm really here (laughs) so but I think the main difference was like yeah, everyone was super friendly to me, which was really nice. Like I went to Japan for my first bouldering World Cup and I was there like a week or two beforehand. And yet just the people who come up to you in the gym, like, oh, are you like going to compete? And all the other World Cup climbers and like, oh, that's cool. It's your first time. It was very, very friendly. Um, How old were you at this stage? Um, I must have been 15, I think. Yeah. Yeah, around that's- 15. That's pretty special, hey, to, to be able to have, I, I can imagine at 15 going into your first bouldering World Cup is a pretty intense thing. And to be able yeah. to f- feel that community around you is, helps sort of soften the, the step into it. Yeah, yeah. And I think like going to Japan, um, yeah, a few weeks before the comp really helped as well because obviously they have such a high standard just in the gyms of climbers and um like quality of boulders and things so when I actually like I think that comp and I guess Merrigan was the two comps where I didn't have like any expectations I was like all right cool I'm just gonna compete and yeah I think I didn't quite understand how to do that in the youth competitions you know I was just like it's results it's results it's results whereas in opens it's kind of like oh this is like an insane experience like I'm having so much fun I'm meeting all these people you know I got to see like so, so many of my idols just like warming up in the gym and then also got to climb on these great boulders and then that obviously just led to me having like a good time on the mats and climbing my best because I was like oh cool all right I'm just gonna climb some sick boulders that I've mm-hmm. never like I've never done anything like this before um yeah which was pretty cool I'd just like to ask you a couple of things about competing, you know, um, I guess under the age of 18, because obviously, you know, I didn't start climbing until I was 17 and a half and there were no, I think Boulder World Cups only started a little bit after that, maybe. So the comp situation was very different to what it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's it like? You know, how does it, how do you operate as a youth climber going overseas? Because Australia obviously as we know, is um, young in climbing. There's not a whole lot of funding. Mm-hmm. We don't have a federation that pays for our team to be able to go to all the World Cups. And we're also a very long way away from the sort of comp hub. Um, so, you know, is it, is it, has it very much been um, on you and your parents to be able to get organise your comp calendar and get you to the different comps each year? Yeah, so definitely when I was younger, it was just mum and dad supporting me. Um, which I've been very fortunate enough to like have mum travel with me as well for like a lot of the season and then yeah pay for everything which has been amazing Um, and then over the last few years so I think in 2016 I was really fortunate to get um, 
an Olympic scholarship with the AOC, which really helped out with a lot of my travel. Um, and then, yeah, a little bit of sponsorship here and there. But, yeah, in Australia, it's quite hard to um, get money from sponsors, like you say, because it's so young. Mm. Um, a lot of the brands that we would usually um, get supported by is a lot of gear and stuff like that, which is obviously amazing and I really appreciate them. But, yeah, it's definitely tricky when all of our competitions are, you know, a long, long way away and a lot of, yeah, a lot of flight, flight money go on them. So, um, and I think you, so yeah. you were the first, you're the first Australian in climbing that's managed to get a scholarship through the AOC. And so I guess this is an interesting one for people that are coming through. Um, you know, I think some of the important things around that are that the Olympic committees are general and the Institutes of Sport are more interested in younger athletes than they are older athletes um, for scholarships. Yeah. And that particular one you got was like an annual payment really, wasn't it, that you could then use to pay for training and travel and all that sort of stuff rather than it being a, I know when we were talking to them about Tom for the Olympics, you know, there are some things they could organise maybe around some coaching or access to the Institute, but not actual like cash going into his bank account to pay for that sort of stuff? Yeah, so I actually, um, so that scholarship was for the, it was kind of to help me get to the Olympics because yeah. I was like an Olympic hopeful. Um, I was able to get that, which was just like financial help. So oh, I got fantastic. it, um, yeah. yeah, every like four months we got like reimbursed um, money. But I'm, I also have a scholarship with the VIS, the Victorian Institute of Sport, which was, um, which is like access to, yeah, um, strength and conditioning coaches, sports psychologists, nutritionists, gym, like massage, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, which was pretty cool. So I got to, I was super lucky to get both and mm. yeah, can utilize both of them in different ways. What's the experience like going from climbing you know, you, you're kind of hanging around in a dusty warehouse with some some plastic screwed onto the side of the walls. And then you, you walk into the Victorian Institute of Sport where it's just like some of the best scientists in the world are doing research yeah. in there and working on some of the best athletes. What's the, yeah, I, I can't imagine that that would have been just like a, oh yeah, cool, I'm just here. Like it's a kind of a mind-blowing experience, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I don't know. I was like pretty confident when I was younger, yeah. especially when I got that scholarship. Like I think like always kind of climbing with people a lot older than me, um, like big strong men who were just like walking around and stuff like that. And I was just kind of got used to it. And like, I guess being climbing at Bayside, like they took it pretty seriously. I think it was like, that's kind of one of the reasons that I um, improved so much when I moved to Bayside was it was like, the standard was so much higher mm. and so I kind of already in my mind had been like all right cool no and I think when I got the Victorian Institute of Sport scholarship it was when climbing was going to be in the Olympics like it just got announced and I was like all right no like I can be here you know I deserve to be here and when I got there it was yeah no I think when I when I first went in I had like a gym session with my strength and strength and conditioning coach and I was just like cool yep all right I'm here to do it and get stuff done so I don't think it was too intimidating that's awesome interesting i yeah. love that i've spent a bit of time at some of the institutes and the aoc just because of my job as a sports dietitian and i just mm -hmm. love i love being in those environments if i didn't want to climb outdoors so much in the blue mountains which is why i live here i'd happily move to canberra and work at the um institute It'd be really fun 
Yeah, it is definitely like really nice. I always feel yet so like inspired after I have a session there. Like no matter what the session is, you just see so many people there and you know exactly why they're there and like how much effort they put in and just being surrounded by people who are so driven is really cool. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, Which I think is something, I mean, might as well jump into this before we go to Tokyo. Um, It's something that, you know, being, having been someone that competed in the early 2000s overseas and a lot. And it's funny because back then there was a really good crew of psyched um, competitors, like females and males. And then there was sort of a little bit of a, like a little bit of a lull and then another little wave came through. Um, And so I think I was quite lucky to have a good group of peers to go through with. But, um, but I think what, you know, watching Australian climbing, one of the things we need is like that Institute of Sport kind of environment that, that climbers can all live in and compete in so that we can um, feed off each other and get the standard up to World Cup finals all the time and Olympic gold medals. Um, I guess, what do you think are the positives that we've got in Australian climbing at the moment? And what do you think we need to do? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we definitely have a lull in competition climbers at the moment. Like, I think we used to, especially like in, actually, I think youth competitions were getting a lot more participants, which is pretty cool to see. Um, But definitely in opens and in open female climbers, Mm. there's been a lull. Yeah. Yeah, especially in Victoria, I think, like, it's pretty hard to find strong females to climb with who want to compete for me. Um, I think when I went to Sydney, there was a pretty good crew there, which was really exciting to see. But yeah, I definitely think that getting together with more people like the people who are competing now and um, hopefully one day getting like a training center is a good way of inspiring people to get into it and having like role models seen more often if you know what I mean like Mm, I don't want to say this it's yeah it's almost like when I was younger when I went to the best at Boulder Bash the reason that I got so psyched on it was because I saw Roxy Perry, Sarah McKenzie, Sarah Davis and Claire all climbing there and I was like it was the first time that I had seen really strong young women with muscles who were like really psyched on climbing and I was like oh this is so cool and then I got into it you know you just like um, yeah, having that representation is super important. And yeah, I feel like at the moment it's, there's a bit of a lull with it. I mean, we have like a few people, but getting more and more people who are training together makes it seem more doable, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah and, yeah. and I think that in the next couple of years, like we're going to see the, the flow and effect from you being at the Olympics and inspiring the next group of eight-year-old girls that are just like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to be like Osh. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a, it's such a special thing for you to now become that, that role model for people as well. Yeah. Now we, yes, we're now we need fun. to put the infrastructure into um, Australian climbing so that we can utilise it, which yeah, lots of us yeah. are trying to work on in the background. But yeah, it, it, it yeah. Is so really true. appreciate that. <laughs> it, it's so true, hey, is like having those role models and, and coming into an environment where, um competition is normalized like that desire to to improve is there yeah and having a healthy and way having, yeah and having like something to almost like someone being a lot stronger than you that you're when you're always climbing with them is 
I think really important when you want to progress as well because you have something to aim for and you're always kind of I don't know that that was something at base that was really great was like having Claire who was one of my biggest role models and yet just always kind of learning things off her and um just watching her climb and then yeah sometimes like you get those little wins of being like oh yeah I, I kind of beat Claire in that boulder that's exciting like kind of reaching those milestones is quite important and yeah it's just such a a great way because also you just don't even realize that you're progressing so much because you're enjoying the process so much and yeah 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 sure. yeah de- that's definitely important I mean you look at outdoor climbing in the blue mountains and the group of girls just feed off each other you're like oh how yeah, did they exactly. do that and, and um yeah. I climbed with a friend on Tuesday and we both red pointed this new route straight after each other and she was having a shocker of a day that there was no way she was going to let herself fall off and not do it because I'd done it just before her. So, yeah. you know, you sort of, or if you're having a boulder session with someone, you're like, I know that I can do that problem because she can, not because you want to crush them, just because you're like, ah, oh, I want to keep up. Yeah, so. you, you push each other and it's, it's, and I always feel like when I climb, a lot of the time when I climb with women, it's never like, I want to beat you. It's like, oh, like we just want to like, I don't know, yeah, get psyched off each other and, yeah, and it's just it's a great experience, I think. Yeah. yeah, totally. So I guess the Olympic thing, I mean, how did it feel for you having that selection event pushed out and then, you know, wondering if Tokyo was going to happen? Yeah, it was very interesting because we were in lockdown um, before the event, like the, when the event was first going to happen. It felt really wrong to have the event um happen but also I had like been in Europe training for a month and a bit to prepare for the comp Mm. so it was kind of like this and that kind of carried on to the next selection event and also the Olympics it was like obviously I've been working five years for this event um been training had getting experience overseas and had so much support and then also like dealing with yeah stage four lockdown in Victoria for so long it was very very difficult I was torn a lot of the time and I think like I was the strongest I'd ever been and still am um physically but like mentally it was really really hard especially not being able to yeah go to competitions and world cups like it was yeah not definitely not the preparation that I wanted and that my support team wanted but yeah, I think it was pretty hard, pretty hard having it delayed and then also hard having it. So, yeah, it was tricky. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the only consolations of the whole thing was that many people were having similar experiences. I mean, Australia was kind of much more locked out and remote than anywhere else, but but yeah. then we also had less cases and less fear of catching it than, you know, walking around in America. And, yeah. Um, that sort of stuff. So it's such a, I know people would ask Tom and I leading up to it, you know, are you excited or for the, you know, Tom gets the spot and then we start getting all these messages. The Olympics aren't going to happen. Do you even think they're going to happen? It's like, yeah, you just, we just had to, you know, it's just put your head down and you're not going to not train. We just had to tell people not to send the messages and, or to send them to me and not to Tom. (laughs) Yeah. When people would ask me like, oh, do you think the Olympics is going to happen? All that kind of stuff. I always just assumed yes. Like I was never going to be like, "Mm, yeah, I'm not sure because I feel like that never really, that was never going to benefit me in a way, you know, I just had to be like, 
well, yeah, of course I'm going to train for it. I'm not going to be like, oh, it might not happen or it might happen. So I, I won't train today. You know, it was kind of like, of course I'm going to do, yeah, plan like it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't, I guess I didn't really think about it too much either. And I, I didn't get too many people um, ask me those sort of questions, which is lucky. Um, but I, I kind think- of did, I mean, yeah, I was kind of hidden away in a little hole in lockdown as well. So, and didn't try not to go on social media too much. So it was kind of like, you know, I think that was also good and bad because before the Olympics and I guess before the selection event, I kind of just went into this tunnel of like train, 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 train. And I got really, really physically strong, but mentally was probably not at my best. So yeah, it's kind of hard when lockdown is kind of like, there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons to it. Mm. What do you do when you find yourself in a position where you're not firing mentally in the way that you would like to be doing? Like, do you have any strategies or did you realize that you were there? Cause I think that's one of the tricky things when you're, you're in a, yeah. maybe a not great space is that you don't realize quite where you're at. So the unfortunate thing is I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think like, or maybe I did subconsciously, but also because of lockdown and having the Olympics, it was almost too hard to like realize it and analyze it. If that makes sense. I like, I was almost too mentally drained from like blocking all this stuff out. That was like, Oh, I, I can't deal with that right now. I'll have to do it after, which was, mm-hmm. yeah, not not my greatest moment, but, you know, it happens and it's in the past now and I'll learn from it. But I think even still at the moment, like I'm still struggling to, um, yeah, I'm still definitely not like at my strongest mentally. There's still a few things that I need to work through, but I guess some strategies that I'm doing at the moment is I've actually started some like guided journaling, which has been pretty good. And I'm pretty lucky to have... Um, like my family is really good support and my sister's always really great to talk to. I mean, like I was just talking to my sister the other day and she was like, started asking me questions about the Olympics and I just started crying heaps, <laughs> which <laughs> was like kind of embarrassing, but also just like, it was great because she was just asking me all these questions. I was like, okay, finally I'm just going to get it all out. It's going to be done. And that was really nice actually. So that's something as well. Just being like, all right, I'm experiencing this. I'm just going to let it all out. <laughs> It's funny because there's a sports psychologist that Tom and I both work with and um, he's been to the Olympics with the Australian swimming team and still works with a lot of athletes now. He's just got four kids. So when they're a bit older, he's going to go over again. (laughs) Um, But one of the things he says is you've got to feel it. Like, and that, Mm. you know, it's like everyone's sort of looking for what's the silver bullet with mental health stuff. And part of it is, I think we all just try and stoically keep going and we don't want to feel that discomfort come up. You're like, ah, crying, don't want to do this right now. You actually need to, when you cry and let it out, it's sort of coming out of that box that you've stored it in, in your head. And then it's not quite as big and scary as you think it is when it's start, when it's trying to come out. Yeah. And I think before the selection event, I was perfectly okay to just cry and be mad or be really happy whenever I was like, I think I was probably crying like after every session, two or three weeks before Oceanics, like it was pretty rough. But then again, like I performed pretty well and I had a good time and it was great. And then yeah, before the Olympics, it was kind of like, 
oh, just train, 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 which is definitely not a good thing to do for climbing because climbing is like 90% mental, 10% physical, really. <laughs> like you can be having like a shit day physically, but you can still get up boulders if you're like, nah, but I think I can do it. Do you know what I mean? Like you can mm, be dead totally. from training. You can have slept terribly, not eaten well, and then still have a good session. It's like, yeah, all right, come on. Like, you know, you're strong enough. It's, you don't need to get stronger. It's definitely your mind, (laughs) which is really hard sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Just on that guided journaling thing, because I think that's an excellent one for people. Do you use an app for that? Or if you got, someone's given you some guidelines for it? Uh, I actually use TikTok. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's like, you can follow a bunch of people who give you like daily prompts things like that um yeah which has been pretty good and then also some days um I can just like ask myself questions I'm kind of like oh this is on my mind I'm just gonna yeah like say something and fill out a bunch of stuff um and also my sister has been giving me some prompts as well awesome that's great yeah yeah there's so much value hey in just being able to to write stuff down and just have Mm -hmm. it come out of your body yeah. Like yeah. It, and I think, yeah. oh, you go. <laughs> oh, it was just, yeah. It's like being able to see it in front of you or, or say it or, or whatever it is, just have it outside of you. you. You see what it actually is. And I feel like it gets rid of the own, chaos. Yeah. In my own experience, it's a bit, bit of a like weird unknown monster in the dark when it's in your, in your mind. Yeah. But as sure. soon as it's out there, it's like, oh, that's just a, this thing yeah and, and it's almost with it it's almost like when you you're going to sleep and you think you have a busy day the next day and you can't sleep because you're thinking of all the things you have to do and you wake up and you get them all done in like 10 minutes you're like oh <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah That's i drugs. definitely think it's yeah yeah for real. but yeah i definitely think it's important to like make sure that you're being super honest with writing everything down because i think yeah previously i've been just kind of like writing down what i'm thinking about but not like actually challenging myself. That's the good thing. I think before I wasn't doing guided journaling, I was just journaling, like just writing down some stuff, which can be beneficial. But I think also getting those prompts and ones that make you feel uncomfortable, the ones that are going to help the most. You know, some days I'm like, oh, this is so cringy. I hate this. I don't want to do it. And then afterwards I'm like, oh, that was great. You know, I really needed that. So that's important too. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so let's get you into Tokyo then. So mm-hmm. wh- what were your three favorite things about being in Tokyo at the Olympics? Ooh, um, okay. First off is like being in Japan. <laughs> I love Japan <laughs> so much. Mm. That was amazing. Um, I think like the support that we got when we were there, it was such a big difference from just climbing in IFSC comps where, you know, we, we go to the competitions and sometimes we don't have any officials or any coaches or anything like that. And then going to Japan and pretty much getting anything we could have wanted um, was super amazing. Um, and then seeing all of the World Cup climbers again and climbing uh, in a, you know, um, international competition was super exciting. Seeing all those people and reconnecting and being like, kind of just being reminded of how cool the climbing community is was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was pretty awesome to just be back. In, like, uh, I've not had nearly as much experience as you 
but it felt like everyone was so psyched to just be back together and of all the chaos and like everyone's gone through it's both the coaching staff and the athletes like everyone's gone through all of this chaos and uncertainty leading up to it and then suddenly we're all there and we all get to just do what we love yeah and that was pretty special yeah it it was so cool and those days on the warm-up wall in the lead up to it all just felt like you were in the climbing gym having an awesome session with your friends yeah yeah it was totally bizarre almost it was like oh like I almost forgot you know (laughs) this is cool (laughs) yeah because you've been just training head down I mean certainly the level of training you know like we all we all train a lot we all compete all climb all want the best for our climbing but competing uh training for the Olympics is next level and training for three disciplines particularly next level and I don't I don't think um I don't I don't think even, you know, the the t- Australian team, um, I mean, some of them were preparing obviously quite hard, but the amount of time that that takes every day and the amount of sessions each week, so monumentally huge. And I've been reading like Alex Megos's sort of um, his summary of the Olympics, the post that he's putting up and even things like the drug testing for him was similar to our experience. And I don't know what yours was like, but the app never worked um getting yeah. online like it's it's like something from the 1950s the website to try and record all that stuff <laughs> and and they're like okay we need to know everywhere that you are because you must have a training routine like the swimmers which yeah. is you go to one stadium and swim your laps from x time to x time but climbing doesn't work like that <laughs> and no, then not at all. no so I mean Alex in a, an Instagram post today said that he missed two drug tests because you know, he's like, oh, well, today we're going to go here, but the, the, I don't know, the cliff could be wet, so you go somewhere else. And, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think for all of you then, when you finally get into Tokyo, you're like, oh, thank God, we're just here. Now all we have to do is spit yeah. into a thing every day and um, go to the dining room and get fed. And Yeah. After finishing the Olympics, it was so interesting how, like, I realised how horrible the combined format is almost (laughs) I like I think because I just I had to do it and it was the discipline we had to do it was like okay yeah this is fine whatever I I gotta do what I gotta do and now that I've finished I'm like that that is brutal like it is brutal it's it's a breaks it's breaks athletes like yeah brutal just such such a difference from just doing like one or two disciplines to doing that event was wild and I yeah once I finished I was like thinking back and I was like yeah that that's not my favorite (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and it's obviously a great experience and trying that format was very cool and I'm super um yeah I'm like I'm really glad that I got to experience it but I was like oh yeah that is that's pretty rough Mm, imagine if you just had to train for bouldering or just even just boulder and lead together or just speed you know, they're yeah. just um, such different head spaces and, yeah, just, yeah, epic, epic. And yeah. even just trying to get to gyms in, I mean, obviously Australia doesn't really have um, one one facility to rule them all that has um, no. that has everything set up for comp climbers to train for an international event. Um, yeah, crazy. Makes it even harder. So what was... I guess kind of a two-part question. Like what were your um, hopes um, and dreams going into 
the competition in terms of like a, a result placing, if you had something like that in mind? And then I guess, what was your experience of competition day? Yeah, so I think um, my expectations were I wanted to make finals. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to like have fun on the wall because I hadn't done a competition in so long. Um, yeah, and just like feel good out on the mats and be like, okay, cool. Yeah, I know what to do. I'm here. I'm ready. Um, and yeah, on comp day didn't quite go how I wanted. <laughs> I don't think um, it. It didn't go how um, how many seventeen people wanted it to go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think like I, I was a bit more like I said because I didn't quite prepare well mentally it definitely that was definitely my downfall because I know I was fast enough for speed I know I am strong enough I know I'm fit enough which was definitely the most devastating thing I think but I mean I'm I know that a lot of athletes have experienced that before it's like ah I just need to get stronger and it's like no not usually the case but anyway I think yeah when I first got out onto the speed wall I was like weirdly overwhelmed like my mind was just like huh? Oh, okay. Uh, and then kind of happened. And I was like, Oh, what the frick just happened? Like <laughs> it was, yeah. Which was pretty frustrating. And I think like my bouldering round, I, I was pretty good. I was pretty happy with how I handled it. Um, and then like a few little things could have changed, but that kind of always happens. It's pretty rare when you're like, that was perfect bouldering round for me. I'm great. <laughs> mm. Um, but that's then, what yeah, you're all I mean, hoping for at Olympics, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's exactly. The one event that you've been preparing for for so long, and the sacrifice is is a lot. It should have, it should have been the one time where you're like, yes, everything is perfect. Yeah, yeah. Statistically, I, I it's not going to be though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely found that same experience going out onto the speed wall, of like yeah. walking through the curtains and then you get out there and then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm setting up my yeah. timing pad and then I, I kind of went blank in yeah. this way that I think was like not not necessarily flow state blank it was like overwhelmed blank yeah and I think that was the thing that kind of also didn't benefit us was not being able to go to comps beforehand yeah because even though like you can have that experience and it's um not 100% necessary but of course it helps like almost all of the other athletes and stuff still got to go to at least a few World Cups and do a few Speed World Cups. Um, it does help to just have that, like, all the that stuff that you need in the back of your mind, like, ready to go because you've just done a comp, like, a month ago. You know? And even just knowing what the nerves, you know, that feeling of yeah, if you prep, if, you know, if the warm-up wall's not quite as good, like, you know, you at um, the national comps that we have or the state comps in Australia, you can you can really control your warm-up and your time and you know how that's all going to work. But you're at an international comp and, I mean, Tom said that he didn't get to go back to the warm-up wall between speed and boulder and you don't yeah. even know that that's potentially going to, you sort of know maybe it'll happen, but you don't even know what the actual little walls are going to look like to warm up on, to practice on, to then know how you're going to suddenly warm up yeah. for your hardest boulder round of your life. And I think, like, I don't know about you, Tom, but during lockdown, I got like a lot of resources and information and training that I could obviously use at the Olympics, but it was something that I wanted to experience in 
are less important comp to know if those sort of things worked, those strategies worked and like what I could use, what was not good. But mm. instead it was like, okay, no, it's here, biggest comp. Now go use it all. Done. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I, I definitely felt like, you know, you, you're walking around and people are just like throwing more at you. And then suddenly your arms are full of all this stuff and you're just like, oh, all of this is going to be useful. But yeah, you kind of, to bring the best out of yourself, it's like going back to what you were saying at the beginning is just going out there and just letting your body climb and doing it yeah. and not being conscious of all the little like, oh, I've got to think about this cue and I've got this running through my head. And what's the technique when you come up against this it's like yeah, yeah. to be able to have yeah it would have experienced like had a few competition experiences to work out how to use those tools yeah and, and also just to see like it's a for me I know that before a season it's like I love to go and train overseas somewhere especially Japan for me I love Japan it's insane for me um <laughs> but yeah to go and just see where you're at and like Obviously, we are just climbing against the wall, but also to see where you're at against other people is important mm. because, yeah. you know, yeah, you still like to know where you're at. And in Australia, I find it really hard to see where I'm at against, like, the World Cup female athletes. Like, it's it's really hard. So to not also have that was quite challenging. I was like, I mean, also another part of that was challenging was to be like, you can't, so it doesn't matter, you don't need to. But it was like, yeah, but I, I really want to. <laughs> oh, There's a lot of confidence that yeah. comes from that. And I, the tricky yeah. thing with climbing, and it's one of the, the great things and hard things about it, is that it, aside from the speed climbing, your performance is unquantifiable to a degree. It's not mm-hmm. like um, a running race where it's like, cool, I'm running like a, an 11 second hundred. That means this. Yeah, that ranks yeah, me exactly. X in the world. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with yeah. a bouldering round, and you, you see it in the, the international comps all the time. Someone will be in finals for a cup, like um, the, the French girl, Ariane Berton. She, she wins yeah. some bouldering world cups. She's on the podium and then doesn't make semis. Mm. And it's just like, it, it's, it's so, um, so up in the air. And to be able to go and actually yeah, have those experiences to be like, okay, cool. I know where I'm at against these people. Well, and also to be in a gym where you've got, um, you know, if you've got 10 routes that are grade 32 and above and you know that you're falling off at the halfway mark of all of those, you're like, okay, (laughs) you know, I need some more resistance for these routes. Or, you know, you're next to Jakob and Jesse in Innsbruck training on the routes or you're in Germany or you're in um, Japan on those boulders and you know that your Achilles heel is that it's the three paddles in a row is a sticking point and you get this little mental block for those and you need to come up with some strategy around that or you need to get your body weight in a different position. You get to see people on those problems all the time and then your brain's just yeah. soaking in how to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely for Tom, the story we were telling ourselves were it was a blessing because, you know, he was going to go in as a dark horse and he wasn't going to have it in his head at where he ranked against everyone else, even though you kind of would have a bit of an idea, but we could sort of try and draw on the confidence from outdoor climbing. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that would have been. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of kind of um, 
lying to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Making yeah, up it stories. Is, <laughs> yeah, it's funny looking back at like some of the, the things you'd say or strategies and you're like, ah, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't need that. It's totally fine. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. It doesn't yeah. matter that Tom has never climbed on an international speed wall. It's not going to yes. matter at all. And he can yeah. he can work out if it's going to work having the rope in a different position and his sequence, he can change his sequence two days before the Olympics on the training yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, I, I haven't done a World Cup in two years, but it's fine. It doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. yeah, I don't need it. I don't need it. You know, it's kind of like mm, you don't need it, but it definitely helps. And totally. I know personally, for me, it it yeah it makes all the difference for the competition. Mm, yeah. so. so I think like your your speed climbing round, you you mm-hmm. finished that in twelfth, I think was it? Ah, uh, thirteenth, I think. Thirteenth, yeah. And yeah. we, were you happy enough with that time? Like it was seemed pretty quick. Definitely not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I mean, my best time was eight flat. Yeah. And I mean, I had been doing like a bunch of visualization stuff. And in my head, I was getting at least 8.2. Like I was doing it every morning and every night. And I was like, okay, cool. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to be great. And also just like in my practice runs and like, just training times were a lot faster and so when I because I got 8.8 and then I also like had a slip on my second run and just where my head was at when I got on the speed wall I was like okay no I'm not happy with this at all like Mm. the way I climbed on the route and then also the time I was not happy with could you brush did you brush it off well enough between speed and boulder or did it sort of linger oh I think I did brush it off uh, like I thought about it for a little while because I guess I was the same as Tom. We didn't have, we didn't get, we weren't able to go back to the warm up pool. Mm. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, damn it, damn it. And I was like, oh, well, now it's bouldering time and I love bouldering. And, and I was actually able to go and do pretty well in the bouldering, which I was pretty happy with. You were like 12th and 13th through those two disciplines. Was that the case? Yes. Yeah. So that, I mean, I still th- had you be... as a good chance at making finals at that point. Yeah, I think I was I was not disappointed with my results mm. in the individuals, but yeah, I guess my overall, that's why I was like, I found the combined so brutal mm. is I guess like I've like 16th in lead definitely dropped my placing a lot, which was pretty disappointing, but it, it didn't feel like I climbed 18th, uh, 19th place. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I'm sure a lot of people have watched the comp, but the devastating thing was watching you just have that foot slip. Yeah, um, that was like you looked really comfortable, confident. Yeah, good, and then... I think yeah, that was the most devastating thing for the whole comp. I mean, obviously because mm. when you have a foot slip and you come off and you're not flamed, oh. that's obviously the yeah. worst thing about a lead. Route. That's the worst thing that can happen, really. And you um, weren't even climbing at that point; you're just kind of yeah. hanging there, resting yeah. for a moment. I will tell you now, I'm working on my footwork like nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was, yeah, because after the bouldering round and after speed, I was kind of like, uh, I wasn't like feeling super hopeful, but I was still like, okay, one more to go. And I was super ready to just give like everything to the lead route. Like I felt so ready in the ice station. I was like, oh, okay, like I'm really excited to climb this route. I'm going to fight really hard. 
And I like, yeah, it was on there and I was like super confident. I was like, sweet, this is feeling so good. And then, yeah, obviously wasn't thinking hard enough on my feet and I had that foot slip and was devastated. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's tricky, hey, because you, to get, at least for myself, to get the best out of myself on a lead route is you need to just not be thinking and just letting your yeah. body climb. And, and there's no conscious thought. You're just moving and reacting to what's going on. And yeah, yeah part of that is kind of opening yourself up to an element of risk of um, a foot slip or something like that, because you're just relying on your instincts and your ability to, to do that. But the, the feeling of falling off, especially a lead route and knowing yeah. that you had more in your arms to give is yeah. such a like empty feeling yeah and mentally like I was yeah I was like fully ready it was yeah very frustrating so uh, I've actually never experienced a foot slip like that I've experienced a foot slip where I'm flamed and I haven't been thinking properly and I've just kind of like stabbed it on and slipped off mm. but yeah this time I was like I felt I was like oh my gosh what just happened like I didn't even yeah realize it was not something I want to experience again. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I watched Tom come off the wall. I knew he was going to be gutted, like knew it. And then, you know, it's really late in Australia and I'm sitting by my phone going, I wonder what's going to happen next. And then as soon as he'd been through the media area, he messaged me and then phoned me. And so I was like, okay, well, he's connecting. He's going to be okay. But yeah. Uh, like the the pain for me is probably 10% less than the pain for Tom because you live it with your partner. Um, how yeah. was it for you when you came off the wall? Like, did you feel like, did you contact any of your family or what did you do? I literally couldn't stop crying. So I did not want to call anybody. It was like, yeah, it was actually kind of frustrating because I was like, yeah, okay, it's totally fair to cry. I'm just going to cry. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we had to go through the... Um, yeah like the media zone the mixed zone and I think that like someone was directing me and I was kind of out of it and they took me to like channel seven or something and I was like oh oh okay and I like for some reason I forgot that I didn't have to do it and so I like wiped my eyes a little bit and they started asking me these questions and I was just like oh yeah I'm just pretty disappointed and I just like started falling again I was like oh my gosh and then like they were like, oh, you don't have to do it right now. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, good. And like walked around and then I saw Will and yeah, it was just like bawling my eyes out for ages. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, just stop now. Like enjoy the rest of the competition you get to watch. And I just like couldn't stop. It was, it was pretty, pretty sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, like even going around to the wall, I was like stopped for like two seconds. And then I just like looked at the room and I was like, oh, like I couldn't stop. It was embarrassing. <laughs> there's so much that comes out at that point though because it's like the the disappointment of that uh performance is there but then also like for me at least my experience was it was is the end of that entire like for you it's five years for us it was like two but it's just like really all of the emotions that you've been holding together for that entire time now are just like the gates are open like you don't need to be you know strong for yourself anymore because there's nothing more to protect in a way it's just yeah an insane experience to to kind of finish yeah yeah and just like yeah very weird to finish you know it was kind of like oh okay that's done and then no more competitions for the rest of the year it was like oh 
oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's almost um, there's no um cathartic comp afterwards where you get to have a little bit less pressure, feel fatigued from the Olympics, and know how that feels. Yeah. It's just like, okay, now we go back to quarantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it sounded like, you know, Tom was telling me that um, I think you guys, like on the bus back and things like that, you got to talk to the other athletes you're competing with. And then in the dining room, I think mm-hmm. Sean McCall and um, Alana, yep. Alana. Yeah, you know, you guys all got to talk a little bit about that. Did you find that process a bit helpful because you're all in the same boat? Because I mean, Kai Harada came 18th, I think. So I said to Tom, you're in pretty yeah. good company. And Mia yeah. Crample, you know, was yeah. Mia Crample under you or just one place above or below you? Like, again, pretty yeah, good yeah. company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Well, I mean, for me, it's like I don't really, how would I say it, like having those people below me or above me I'm kind of like oh whatever you know I'm like oh but I just wanted to do that I wanted to do well but I guess it is always nice to like see other athletes like it it doesn't always go your way which is a shame um but yeah it is always nice to have those people like to know that it is okay that it happens um and yeah chatting to Alana and uh, Sean was pretty fun I think maybe I think we could relate to them a lot because they didn't do any of the comps as well um for preseason. Mm. Um, and yeah, I get along pretty well with him. So it was, it was definitely nice to just be like, Oh, you know, this was an experience and they, they're pretty positive people as well, which is really nice. You know, they're like, you know, we're, we're Olympians. We're going to be Olympians forever. And yeah, they're pretty cool people, which was really nice to hear with them about. Yeah. Instead of, instead of getting shipped out straight up from the comp floor into hotel quarantine, that would have been a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Canadians yeah. are known for being pretty fun, positive, awesome people. <laughs> yeah. They don't have a, a reputation yeah. for being grumbled. No. no. Yeah. So I've got a random question for you. Tom's Tom's written down on our little notes something about peanut butter. Oh. I've never seen someone so psyched on peanut butter. <laughs> is it really? true? Is it true that you carried a jar of peanut butter around with you all the time? <laughs> Well, now I think about it, yeah. <laughs> I remember it was like one of the first things when we got in on that first day uh, and we find out about the the pantry kind of thing that the Australian <laughs> team had. You were like, I've got to order some peanut butter. Yeah, that is true. I I do love nut butter. Almond butter, peanut butter are my favourite. Um, yeah, I just like on anything I have for breakfast, I always have nut butter. No matter what it is, I always have it. Yeah, 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 so good. I mean, you, you never go wrong. What's your go-to? Um, well, weirdly at the moment, I've been liking mixing coconut yogurt with powdered peanut butter and then putting it on toast with banana on top. What is powdered peanut butter? Well, I can answer to me, that this sounds like The Americans have it a lot. It's because yeah. you get the peanut, buy peanut butter flavour without the fat. Yeah, so I don't. Sounds I like definitely the crumbs at the bottom of the packet. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I don't get it because it's like low fat or lower calorie or anything. Because I love like natural peanut butter and eating yummy food. <laughs> I don't like it as a replacement peanut butter, but when you mix it in as a flavoring, mm. oh, and with yogurt on toast for some reason, it's so good. Mm, be quite. I'm not a peanut butter lover, but that would actually probably you could put it with your yogurt pretty well. It give you like a nutty peanut butter. Yeah, it turns into almost like a mousse. Mm. Oh, it's really good. But then, you know, I like 
I love banana and peanut butter just as a snack. Like that's a classic. That's delicious. Could add ice cream and all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. You blend it with banana, um, frozen bananas. Make like mm. banana peanut butter ice cream. Oh my gosh, so good. Mm. Awesome. There yeah. you go. Top tips mm. for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, how do you feel post-Olympics? Like I know I think for the first 10 days after Tom got back, we kind of thought, ah, oh, yes, get life back. Instead, we yelled at each other for eight days. <laughs> we didn't mean to at all, but it's just you're on, you've just both had these intense experiences and you both just, people kept saying, was there a big come down? And it's like, no, there was no come down because it felt like such an uphill push, like pushing so hard that it wasn't like an elation feeling. I don't think it was more of a relief feeling. I don't know. What was it like for yeah. you? Um, hmm, I think, yeah, it was part like relief, part just like sad in a way or a bit disappointed that it was like already over, but then also like, yeah, like, I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. a long time. But you know, I think like it was so nice to go to Brisbane and like um, after quarantine. Actually, in quarantine, it was pretty nice because I just got to like relax, chill out, and do whatever I wanted. You know, like just mm. be by myself. Be like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna eat this. It was quite nice. Um, and then yeah, going to Brisbane and having some like really really fun sessions with people who I hadn't seen in a long time. Being out of lockdown um was yeah pretty special and I got to see Roxy one of my one of my best friends from Tassie um which was really exciting and yeah just kind of did some like things that I really enjoyed and that was really nice and then yeah coming home just chilled out and was like oh yeah all right back with family back with support it was just yeah pretty chill it was pretty relaxed did, we, you, yeah. did you have um I guess through the quarantine stuff and then it was sorry, lockdown stuff. It's kind of tricky to uh, know where to put all your energy, but like I, I had this mm. idea in my mind that I'd come out and be fully psyched and just like, Oh, I just want to like, just mm-hmm. climb and just like feel how awesome it is to be strong and fit and healthy. And then realized I didn't have any of that in me and I was really yeah. just needed to, actually do nothing yeah well because I went to Queensland I went way too hard way too quick <laughs> and when I got home my body was like what the hell did you just do and I like crashed so hard um but I was like kind of ready for it I was like yeah all right whatever because I just wanted to like almost like destroy myself in Brisbane and just do whatever I wanted and then come home and be like yep okay now you have lots and lots of time to crash and be tired so I definitely felt that yeah and you're back in your support network and your safe space yeah like you're back at home with family and yeah yeah. in lockdown so it's not like I'm missing out on anything yeah I think um you know I know at this point from what I understand from stuff you and Tom have talked about in Tokyo um, at this point in your climbing career, comps and indoor climbing is definitely the sole driver. Like it was interesting seeing Miho go to Seuss straight from the Olympics. I'm like, I didn't even know she climbed outdoors that much. But then, you know, she's at Seuss of all places um, yeah. climbing outdoors. Like is there any, and I know you used to do a bit of bouldering in the Grampians outdoors. Do you feel a pull or is it to outdoor climbing at all and to test yourself and see what your body can do on outdoor routes or oh. boulders? so much (laughs) I was not expecting to 
um, so much after Olympics. But yes, I'm like so annoyed that we have a kilometer um, limit in lockdown because I yeah I want to go outside so bad right now. It's so weird because I haven't really wanted to for like so many years, and I'm like it's all I can think about. <laughs> uh, you have to come up to the blue <laughs> mountains. <laughs> yeah which is I guess exciting um mm. yeah which I'm pretty excited to experience because yeah so definitely after lockdown I'm gonna um I, he- I think I'm just gonna head out to a few like pretty local places yeah um around us like probably not the Grampian straight away just for a lot of reasons um yeah with some a few people and then definitely I'm planning on doing the full bouldering circuit next year yeah which are pretty cool and then after that I'm gonna go to Europe and go to like Font and explore outdoor climbing there a bit, which would awesome. be pretty cool. That cool. Yeah. Be I've awesome. only ever climbed. Yeah. I've only ever climbed in the Grampians, which was of course amazing, but mm. pretty keen to explore some new places and with some new people, which would be a great experience. And do you think your comp focus will be solely bouldering? Yeah. Next season. Yeah. yeah. And um, then gear up for the Olympics again, Olympic selection with the two disciplines or would you go all three or you don't know yet? I'm not decided yet. I think it will be, it's most likely going to be the two um, just because of how intense it is on my body and mind and everything um, to do all three. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. I definitely, I want to experience doing the full bouldering circuit next year first and kind of see where that takes me, what I want to do if I enjoy doing the full circuit, um, if I want to do half and half like lead boulder. So we'll see. Yeah. But definitely plan is to um, give everything to the bouldering circuit next year. And come back Get and a forth. Whole lot of- come back and forth sure. to Australia or would you try and base yourself over there for the season? I think it'll mostly be over there for the season. Yeah. It's yeah. just so expensive to come back and forward. Totally. Um, yeah. Hopefully if like when I go to the Asian um, World Cups, I could come home for a little bit. But, yeah, we'll have to see. Depend on how much money I get, <laughs> yeah, how much so, I can save up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it's such a the financial side of things is such a limiter. Oh, that'd be that'd be yeah. super exciting to see. I think like yourself just being able to give everything to one discipline for the year, and yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, that'd be a really cool thing, and like your. The first in a long time of Australian female to to make a bouldering World Cup final, um, so that's pretty rad. Like you, you've definitely got the potential to do pretty amazing things in those World Cups. So thank you. Yeah, it'd be awesome yeah, to thanks. see. Yeah, I think it's like partly nerve wracking, but also I'm like, oh well, you know, it'll be really good, and it's just like such a good opportunity to just get like lots of experience and just yeah, work out what I what I need to do and everything. So. Should be pretty cool. And then I have like lots of things to look forward to now. I feel like straight after the Olympics, it was kind of like, oh, yep, just lockdown life. And now I'm like, all right, I have a plan. I'm going to do boulder season. And then I also have like climbing outside after that to look forward to, which would be really cool because I know like a lot of the World Cup climbers after the bouldering season ends, they all go to fonts and stuff like that. So it'd be very cool to climb with everyone. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be very, very, very fun. I'm very excited. You- and like you go. I was just going to say, did you find like after the Olympics and I guess maybe more so now that you've slightly recovered that you're able to kind of think about more, uh, more possibilities? Yeah. My, I my, felt... my brain just felt more open. 
yeah. as soon as the Olympic finished. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it took a little while for me to think about other things, um, but also couldn't think about the Olympics, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I guess maybe even like a month or two afterwards, it was like, um, I found it so hard to think about the Olympics and just talk about it. Um, and then, yeah, also think about next year. I was like, oh, I'm too tired. And then it just kind of hit me where I was like, nah, okay, yep, let's do this and started playing some stuff, which was pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's super yeah. important for people to, I guess, understand that, that there is a natural ebb and flow of motivation and, and psych and yeah, and definitely. That that's okay and, and that you get through it and then you'll be psyched again soon. I mean, this week I am not motivated because I got back to training about three weeks ago. And yeah, I can tell you now I'm like struggling to get through sessions. I'm definitely going to have to like watch some World Cups and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Like I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, climbing, climbing in the same gyms, not being able to go outside like I'm really wanting to and stuff like that. But mm. oh yeah, definitely get go through phases. And like literally yeah. two weeks ago, I was so pumped. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, that's yeah, it definitely happens. Yeah. When does the World uh, Cup season kick off next year? Uh, it hasn't been released yet, but it will most likely be either um, March or April is usually when it is. Yep. What about you, Tom? What is your sort of plans for next season? If I'm you've got really any. Sh- I'm not sure at the moment. I feel really excited by being outside. Um, yeah, cool. So that's been really fun and we're, we're fortunate enough to have climbing in our backyard. We live 800 metres mm-hmm. from the Glen. So even if we've got a one kilometre radius thing, we can yeah. still walk through our backyard to Main Wall at Centennial Glen that's- if we were allowed to, but it's very lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, it, it, I would definitely like to go and have a play in some of the World Cups. I think that'd be yeah. really fun uh, and tie mm-hmm. in maybe with some outdoor trips as well. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty awesome, pretty keen to just have some time with Amanda and Audrey as well and like have them be able to yeah. be a part of it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were doing some window shopping of plane tickets the other night. No, no, the window nice. shopping was me saying, I, uh, my climbing life's been on hold for two years. I need yeah. us to book tickets to Europe now so that yeah. I know that we are getting on a plane early next year, even if we have to change the flights because they decide something's <laughs> happening with COVID. But and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do it soon. I'm like, no, no, no you don't understand. Like, I want to, I want to hit pay on these tickets, please. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel that. I feel that's that's the rest of my family as well. They're like, yeah, we'll we'll come with you. We'll come with you to next year. We'll come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah have yeah. one of them signed up as like your your masseuse, and then you've got like yeah. your, your mental support person, and then you've got your manager. And yeah. <laughs> sign them up as yeah. like necessary traveling employees yeah totally oceana mckenzie enterprises yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh well thanks for talking to us it was really it's exciting i'm looking forward to seeing what happens for you next year and i mean i'd I'd be psyched for you if it was just indoor but i i'm also excited to see what um indoor translates onto rock too as well because i know how hard you guys have trained and i've seen it out of um Tom's body going on to rock. So it'd be cool to see yeah. yours as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely um, going to be coming to Sydney for some training trips as well. So 
maybe we can tee up and do some apple crumb together. Oh, definitely. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, We can give you the like prime selection. (laughs) Yeah, cool. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing with me. It's been fun. Awesome. How good was that? Uh, Really, really enjoyed chatting with Osh there uh, and getting to know her a little bit more. Uh, throughout that podcast and also when we were hanging out in Tokyo over there. Uh, Yeah, she has been getting out to the Grampians in the last few weeks. She's been getting up some pretty hard boulders out there, uh, some V10s and just did a V11, Hate is Gonna Hate. I think that's probably her second V11, which is pretty radical. Uh, Can't wait to see what she can do on rock again. And also I'm really excited to see what she does when she's just going full gas at one discipline with her bouldering World Cup season. So yeah, really, really excited to see that when 2022 kicks off and everyone starts competing at the World Cups again. There's been a distinct lack of sport recently on the TV and I'm having withdrawals. Really keen to see some comps again. But that's all about it. Thank you so much for listening in and we're going to get a little bit more consistent with our podcast apps hitting your ears in the not so distant future. So stick around. We've got heaps of motivation to make this thing a thing. Go out, enjoy your days, keep on training. Hopefully you're staying dry. If you're on the east coast of Australia, it's been ultra wet recently. Um, But yeah, go and enjoy the day. Catch you next time.